My name is Sarah Rosa Davies, and you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Today, we've got another episode of How It's Reported about a new initiative from the Emerald that seeks to better earn the trust of the UO community. The Emerald Trust Project was created by Emerald Coordinator of Equity Inclusion, C. Francis O'Leary, news editors Hannah Kanick and Gina Scalpone, and editor-in-chief Michael Tobin. I'm here with the coordinator, Francis, to talk about the beginnings of the Trust Project, its current efforts, and long-term goals. Hi, Francis. (laughs) Hello. How are you? Good. Can you start things off by telling me about your job at the Emerald, what you do, what you've done in the past? I started at the Emerald last term, so fall of 2019, as just a news reporter. And uh, I didn't initially have a beat. I just sort of saw interesting things that were happening and, and reported on them. But during November of last year, there was a there were a couple of controversies across the nation at student newspapers. One was at the Harvard Crimson, the uh, Harvard student newspaper, and the other was at the Daily Northwestern at Northwestern University. In both cases, they were the reporters had done their jobs in quotation marks. They had done their jobs and reported on student protests against uh, political figures at Northwestern. It was uh, protest against former Attorney General Jeff Sessions, and at Harvard it was against ICE. And in both cases, after the student newspapers had reported on the events, they faced student backlash. So our editor-in-chief, Mike Tobin, tweeted about this, and the two of us got into a little bit of an argument about whether or not the students who were protesting were justified in being upset with the student newspapers. And that's not to say that that Mike didn't um, think that changes should be made, but I think I was maybe just a little bit more progressive on that topic than he was. So about a week later, I was thinking, like, how can we at the Emerald increase our transparency and and uh, make sure that this doesn't happen at the University of Oregon? So I pitched an idea, actually, to write a story about this, about how it's reported. But uh, they said, no, that seems self-aggrandizing. And I said, I disagree. So... We ended up all coming together. Uh, Gina, Michael, and I got together and had a conversation about how we could increase transparency without making it seem as if we were sort of patting ourselves on the back. And that's where the idea for the Emerald Trust Project came from. So over the course of winter break, I went around and I spoke to uh, professionals in the field, such as Lisa Hayamoto, an SOJC professor who has studied media trust in the past, as well as several others. And we got feedback from the um, from the community at large on Twitter. And using that information, we synthesized this plan that we currently have, the Emerald Trust Project. So far, so good. I mean, it's only been a week since we rolled it out, but people have been responding extremely positively to it. And I hope that that continues in the future. So the Emerald Trust Project obviously has a lot of different components. But for me, I see it as almost like an engaged journalism project where there's like this idea of transparency and hearing from the community what what they think about us and what they want us to do better. You know, I wanted to know why is it important for the Emerald? I mean, you touched a little bit on this, but why is it important for the Emerald to do something like this? So as I was saying, the the inspiration for this came from the student protests against the Daily Northwestern and the Harvard Crimson. And both of those are renowned student papers. They're good papers, but they didn't have the trust of their community. So I started asking myself, why is that? And I decided it's not enough just to be a good journalist. People don't owe you trust. You owe them a reason to trust you. Um, So if both of those papers, which are good papers, um, 
had these controversies, then it's not a matter of if the Daily Emerald has a controversy in the future. It's a matter of when. And the best thing that we can do is get ahead of it and start building the trust now so that when this comes up, we have a little bit of um, like public like credit, essentially, in the account to say, you know what, this might have been a mistake, but it's not as if the Daily Emerald doesn't represent us correctly 99% of the time. It's overall increasing the amount of trust so then when things happen, the community can better understand why they happen and or even just like better understand what we do. Like, I think there's just such a lack of like, what do journalists do? People don't understand our jobs. And because ethics range among journalists, too, I think people either assume journalists like don't care about what they're reporting about or they care too much. Like there's such a wide variety there. And I think I see the project as like the transparency goal especially as kind of like increasing that trust in how we do things but I wanted to talk a little bit about the different kind of strategies and goals like the smaller bits of the Emerald Trust project so can you break down the specific uh, goals and strategies that the Emerald Trust project is implementing this specific term Absolutely. The The overall goal is to to promote transparency and trust among the community. But the five different strategies that we've developed as of right now are reporter tabling. So we're, we're going to have reporters in the EMU uh, who will just be public and available on Wednesdays to speak to anybody who's interested who might want to learn about what reporting is like how we go about our reporting. Maybe someone who's set, like has an idea for a story and they want to pitch it or they want to give us a tip or uh, if someone's interested in applying, then they can ask, hey, what does a photojournalist do at the Daily Emerald? And, and they can learn from us directly from us. So we're trying to reduce that barrier. Another thought in the same um, in the same idea is we're going to have an event called Meet the Emerald. That's going to be on Thursday, January 23rd from 6 to 8 p.m. at Falling Sky. We're going to have free pizza there, and anyone who's interested can come in and just meet journalists from all the different desks, so opinion, news desk, photojournalists, and so on and so forth, and talk to them about what it means to be a journalist. And, and the same thing as the reporter tabling, but even even less formal of a situation. Can you tell me a little bit about the genesis of that specific event, like that specific idea for this community engagement? So again, I'm going to reference those, uh, those student protests against the student newspapers. One at, at the Daily Northwestern, they had um, a lot of backlash. After the Daily Northwestern editorial staff apologized for their coverage, they got a lot of backlash from professional journalists. And the dean of the Northwestern University's uh, J School said, look, these students are part of the community. They live and they go to the same classes and everything with these people. So I think that that really spoke to this the continuity between like the press and the public people put up a, a false dichotomy there but we live and and go to school and are affected by the same issues so i'm trying to make it and we at the daily emerald they're trying to make it so that it's not like you know the press is this monolith like we're we're just the same folks as everyone else we just have a different job so the reporter tabling goes in a bit into that too where like the reporter tabling is us being out in the community what can community members look forward to in terms of reporter tabling? Like what what type of stuff is there any how do I say this? Like what can what can they do there? You spoke a little bit about like in terms of like applying for the emerald, but like what other questions should people be asking us? If I were not a reporter, I think I would be curious about what a reporter 
reporter does day to day. So I, th- I would be asking questions like, essentially, what's the process? How do you come up with ideas for stories? That's something that I used to wonder before I became a journalist. And still, sometimes I wonder how I should come up with an idea for a story because <laughs> it's not easy. But um, I I would ask how you know you come up with uh, with ideas for stories and what it's like to interview someone, particularly someone who's in a position of authority. I've interviewed like a lot of different professors who you know they have they have authority, they have entrenched authority over students. But you you have to realize that it's your job to get the story. So I, I think that I would be most curious about that. But really, it's not up to me what people ask. Yeah. They if if you just have any question, then you're welcome to do that. You could come up and say, "Hey, why haven't you been paying attention to this issue?" And you know the the reporter will work with you and try and figure out a way that that can happen. That's a good point. It's like we're open books. You know, like if you're interested, like come talk to us. I think. This project is like an outright, I, I feel like it's an outright way for the Emerald to say, we're here, we got you, you know, like, come talk to us. Like, I think it, it totally, you're right that we need to earn the trust. So there is another part of the the work you're doing specifically this term about community input, which is a specific, I remember, digital page on the website, right? Can you tell me a little bit about um, what people can do with this page and what what its purpose is. Sure. the The idea is that because the the newsroom doesn't represent every opinion in you know at UO or in Eugene in general, uh, we need people to engage with us and to kind of point out ways that we're letting them down essentially. So. Uh, the email is trust at dailyemerald.com and you can send ideas to that uh, to that email address and just say, you know, hey, I think that when you're reporting, you should you should make your interviews public. So after you record and you take down quotes from quotations from someone, you should put that out so that everyone can hear it, which is a little bit of an extreme opinion because <laughs> there's a lot that goes into interviewing and sometimes people want things off the record and whatnot. But if that's something that you're interested in, you can email that email address and then I'm the one who runs the email address. <laughs> I'll respond to you and we can talk about it. Or someone else has has uh, pitched an idea for an event where people who are involved in the news, so the subjects of stories, could come and give a short presentation about it. And we, the idea was to have, you know, six or seven of these at, uh, at a night and kind of make it a like a miniature news festival. Like almost like a panel? Yeah, kind mm-hmm. of like that. It was it was an it was a compelling idea and it'll take a lot of um like infrastructure to get something like that together, but you know, I just I'm glad that people are interested and are taking part because we like news exists to serve the public, not the other way around. So we have to have this um we have to know what people want and need from us. Something you just said right now really like kind of like ticked me. I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." Um, You spoke a little bit about in terms of the community input, like, you know, having people request how we show our reporting and how we tell people how we tell the stories for lack of a better way to say that. One of the things you guys are also doing is transparency in reporting, and that could mean a lot of different things. So what are some of the ways that this has been and will be implemented at the Emerald? So there have been some some journalists. I'm putting journalists in quotation marks here because I think that's a little bit generous of me to call them that, but who have done a lot of damage to public trust in news media by like 
falsifying quotations and things like that. Like these are websites that have been like largely discredited and whatnot, but that doesn't matter because they present themselves as news, even if they're not. So one way that we can increase transparency and increase trust is to say, for example, you know, um, reporter Francis O'Leary said in an interview, just adding in an interview to show where you got it or to say, you know, um, the Daily Emerald had to make two Freedom of Information Act requests to get these government documents and just kind of like show our work like you would in a math class to say, this is how we found out the information. And then uh, something that we've been doing already is making, if we got, say, uh, government documents, making those government documents public on the website. That's, and then that's a literal information backing. So if someone's like, oh, the Emerald got that wrong, you can also say, well, here's where we got it. And that's also like in terms of like protecting the Emerald, that's a good idea, too. Why does transparency matter in today's age? I know that's a big question and you touched a little bit on it, but I want to hear more about your thoughts. Because journalists and journalism is this sort of opaque box that people from the outside don't know much about. So I think that if if it happens behind closed doors, and a lot of reporting does have to because maybe you're reporting on sensitive issues, less so at the Emerald, but, you know, like um, like Watergate is an example. You have to do that behind closed doors. But because a lot of it happens behind closed doors, people are automatically distrustful of that. And that's not wrong. Uh, so it is, once again, the job of the journalist to try to, when possible, make it less opaque, more transparent for everyone. I think that's a good point that stuff happens behind closed doors. And as journalists, like ultimately we're about truth and often truth is exposing those things that are behind closed doors. Um, so there are some ongoing strategies that aren't necessarily happening this term, but that are just happening all the time at the Emerald and with the Emerald Trust Project. How It's Reported, this podcast series, is one of them. And then there's going to be an ongoing corrections page, which I find fascinating. And there are a couple other things like Who Are We Wednesday, just general things that are going on. Uh, Can you tell me about why the Emerald Trust Project is kind of including this ongoing corrections page on the Emerald's website? Yeah, absolutely. Um, The corrections page is a it it covers each academic year. So the one that we have right now started at the beginning of of the fall 2019 and is continually updated. So say you ran a story and you used the wrong pronouns or you said that someone was the coordinator of some office, but really they were the director. And um, it's a way to to run back and, and hold ourselves accountable where we're not trying to like sweep it under the rug, even if you corrected it in the story, someone could go through and do their own work to find it. But instead, the Emerald is being upfront and just saying, like, these are the places that we made mistakes. Like, that's literally what they are. We made mistakes. We're owning it. And because our job is to inform people, it's important to have those, like, those corrections out there for people to know about. How does that make you feel as a journalist, like, writing stories, like... I know I've messed up and had to issue corrections, and it's like a hard process. You f- I feel bad when I get something wrong. I feel awful. Like, it's like an indescribable feeling. I mean, how do you think it would feel to look at that as a journalist? There was one time when the subject of one of my stories contacted me because they uh, they thought that I had, had gotten, like, a code wrong. It was for a class, mm-hmm. and they said, like, oh, this isn't actually part of the linguistics department I think it was it's part of some other thing so the two of us via email like went back and forth and kind of got to the bottom of it and it turns out that I was right (laughs) (laughs) but um but it, it did like I had this sort of like 
it was like I got hit in the gut all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I thought I was so good. I thought that story was finished. And I, you know, I was like proud of it. And I was proud of that story. Um, so I was like a little, yeah. I was like hesitant to correct it. But at the same time, I want to faithfully tell these stories and I want people to to read them and actually get the information. Like, it's not about just getting words on paper. Like, I truly believe in, in journalists and journalism making uh, information available for everyone. So although it sometimes might be like emotion or like um, mm-hmm. like your pride might be a little damaged by it, it's still important to do. And also it's not even pride. It's when someone contacts me and said, hey, you didn't get this right. I feel bad that I didn't get it right. It's not even like, oh, my pride, I thought I got it right. It's like this like, oh, man, I'm so sorry I wronged you. As a journalist, the last thing I want to do is maybe, how do I say this, like wrong the people I'm reporting on who have have trusted with me or who, who have had, like trusted me with their lives. And at the same time, it's also like there are sometimes power structures that are wronging people and it's our job as journalists to like speak truth to power. So it's, it's an interesting balance there, but that corrections, especially when I've written a feature, I'm always like, if I get something wrong, I'm like, oh man, you know, it's not even this, it's a gut wrench because it's like, man, I did something and I hurt someone in some way. And that's, I mean, as journalists, like that's a hard feeling. So I think the ongoing corrections page is an interesting way to like keep ourselves accountable and to also like see how we're reporting. Like if we're having a lot of corrections and maybe as journalists, we need to check our reporting. So yeah. And, and I mean, we have great editors too. Yeah. Like I, it's not all the time, but often my editors will see a story that I have and they'll just say, like, how do you know this? They'll comment on the, the document. How do you know this? And it's like, I'm glad that they do that because I'll be able to pull up my sources mm-hmm. and, and, like, add it in there. But what if I had just, you know, made an assumption and mm-hmm. I had to, like, check myself there? So I'm I'm really thankful for the editors we have, too. There's this ongoing uh, thing in the Daily E, which is our newsletter and on social media and on all the different Emerald platforms digitally. That's called Who We Are Wednesday, which is another one of these strategies. What is that aiming to do specifically? Literally to show who we are. So um, journalists or people from every desk, um, you know, like photojournalists, podcasters, everyone gets the opportunity to have a photo of them and a short bio. It'll say sort of like what desk they work for, what they're interested in. And I, I think that the photo is really important because it shows like if you see that person in class, you can walk up and say, hey, I saw that you were the like the crime reporter. Did you hear about the break in at such and such a fraternity or whatever? And um, I think that it once again, like breaks down that barrier between the press and the public. I think that's interesting, too, in terms of also us being able to like give a little bit more about ourselves as journalists. Like I am chronically ill and I do consider myself disabled in multiple ways because of that and because of learning disabilities. But I don't appear disabled, you know. And so I think as a journalist, like um, being able to say, hey, this is who I am and this is like how I connect to other students is super important too. like in terms of my own experiences as someone with chronic illnesses, I see a lot of journalism about the conditions I have that gets things so wrong. And often it's not written by someone who has knowledge or experience. They might be a health reporter, but then they don't have this lived experience with the condition. And so, for instance, this is, I think, a great example of journalists not being super accountable is Sia, the musician came out on Twitter as having Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which is the genetic disorder I have. And the way she phrased her tweets made it seem like it was a neurological condition when, in fact, she has a neurological condition that goes along with it. 
And CNN, of course, picked this up because this is a rare genetic disorder. And CNN says, like in her article, C- uh, CNN wrote, Sia has Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, comma, a neurological condition. Um, and everyone was like, that's not right. You know, and it, it, it shows and CNN like was kind of weird, I think, about like how to how to manage that, because, of course, that's like a big big correction you know it's a a kind of correction that they would probably need to issue and but that brings me back to like we gotta hire people who are disabled who are people of color who you know that like have connections to these communities and i think that's one thing that emerald trust project is like with the who we are wednesday is trying to show we are these people and we have these identities and they might influence our journalism they might not but We, we also yeah. have um, we have plans in the future. This is not yeah. a static project. Yes. You know, this is going to continue to evolve. So we have a few other steps about diversifying the newsroom. And one of them is that um, I actually did this for the first time today. As the coordinator of equity and inclusion, I'm doing like a trial run. And then we're going to roll this out so that all the reporters are going to start doing it. But what we're going to do is have reporters go to like events for groups that are underrepresented in the newsroom. So, for example... Today I went to the National Association of Black Journalists meeting and I just gave a I gave a pitch essentially and said, you know, the the best thing as far as journalism goes is for people to tell their own stories or stories for groups that they're part of. The second best thing is for people who aren't part of those groups to tell those stories and then the worst thing is to not tell the stories. <laughs> and I was like, we need to do better, right? So you know, again, to follow that up, I said the best thing you can do is start writing for the Emerald or f- taking photos for the Emerald or work on the podcast as for the Emerald. And then the second best thing you can do is is come to us with your stories and let us, you know, do this. So we're going to continue that that progress. And it's our job as journalists then to tell those stories in a way that is authentic, I think, and truthful and empathetic to those communities, especially when it comes to minority communities. Not all the stories we tell as journalists have to be like empathetic, I think, in terms of like a, a speaking truth to power but i do i do think the emerald trust project will help us report and establish those establish the connections with communities that like we deeply obviously care about but sometimes because we don't have those lived experiences can't get things quite right as a majority like white newsroom white passing so and and like it's really it's easy for the journalist to do so it's a small thing for the journalist to check those details but it's really big as far as like representation goes so for one example is i was doing some reporting on the national or the um excuse me native american student union last term and just every time i did an interview i said well would you like me to say which tribe that you're part of or any sort of tribal affiliations or do you want me to use indigenous Native American or American Indian because people have opinions on that that I as a white person simply don't know about so I think that it's it's we just have to do better as journalists (laughs) and not just in the at the Emerald like everyone Mm -hmm. has to do better as a journalist I think to kind of start to wrap things up I ask this question at the end of interviews uh, because I'm like to really summarize things. And also, I think this question kind of brings out sometimes unexpected answers, but I'd like to know, what is the one thing you'd like readers to know about the Emerald Trust Project in terms of, like, what it aims to do? Like, the Emerald Trust Project obviously is aiming to be transparent, but, like, can we be transparent about how we're going to be transparent, if that makes sense? Yes, absolutely. I think that, for me, the one thing that I I would like um, the community at large to know is that you can get involved. You can email me at trust at dailyemerald.com and you can apply to write in the newsroom. You can give pitches. But 
this isn't something that we're going to do on our own. It's not like the newsroom can stay as it is now and have things get better. So I just want as many people as possible to, to kind of like, you know, give us their two cents. What do you say then to people who might be a little more apathetic about it? Like, I do think sometimes I don't like saying this about our audience, but I think there is a stigma that like college students don't care about like, it's obviously not true, but there is this kind of like, do people read our website? Like, how do you increase that engagement? Because I do think there is, I think people care, but I think sometimes people are so overwhelmed. Like, how do you get people involved if they, you know, if they don't want to get involved themselves? Like, how do we get them in terms of like trust? Because I do think saying, get involved, and then people are like, but I don't trust. How do you begin that small step to build that trust? Yeah, I think that that uh, part of that is what I was doing today. Like I said, mm-hmm. I went to the National Association of Black Journalists uh, chapter here, and I just sat in their meeting. I gave my little spiel, but then I sat in the meeting, and I, I engaged in the conversations, and I'm trying to show that I'm in like invested in this community. And it's the same thing with all of the other communities. Once we have reporters going out all the time, they're going to start once a month going to these different groups and and taking part to show that they're not just trying to like get a quick story and run. And I think that it's not like we're going to flip a switch and everyone's going to trust us, but through, you know, little by little we can we can consistently get, you know, 1% more trust <laughs> over and over again. By rolling out the Emerald Trust Project, then you're starting that process and really committing to it, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is just the beginning. Yeah. I think that's a good note to end on. You can find the editorial detailing the mission and term goals of the Emerald Trust Project linked below this podcast. In order to be more involved with Emerald Podcasts, you can connect with us on Twitter at ODE Podcast or by emailing us at podcast at dailyemerald.com. You can find Emerald Podcasts on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I'm Sarah Rosa Davies. I'm C. Francis O'Leary. Thanks for listening.